Life Out Loud is a literary nonfiction podcast series that features real student stories. Born in a John Jay College creative nonfiction writing classroom in the fall 2015 semester, Life Out Loud seeks to diversify the perspectives typically shared in the CNF genre. Our project aims to amplify voices seldom heard through artful truth-telling simply because we believe that all stories matter. We make them, and they make us. You can always listen at lifeoutloudpodcast.com. And welcome back to Life Out Loud, a literary nonfiction podcast through which we tell true, maybe all too true stories. I'm Karen, one of your hosts today. And I'm Samantha, back again and excited for the sixth episode of the second season entitled Maybe? Eh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're back with even more stories from you authors. In this special quote-unquote Valentine's Day episode, we hear the stories of three young authors who thought, this is it, this is love, only is it? You'll see what we mean. And I'm Karina. Our first story tonight is by Amanda Donahue, who is a recent John Jay graduate with her bachelor's degree in English. She truly believes there's something bigger out there and she's gonna find it and she's gonna write it. She's taking her first step to finding out that story by uprooting her life and moving to Washington, DC. Some things that are closest to her heart include Harry Potter, looking for Alaska and women. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. Thank you, Karina. Let's take a listen to Amanda's piece called You and I. We were in Pennsylvania, you and I. Do you remember? It was my cousin Ashley's bachelorette party, so we were there for the weekend. We were just out of high school, best friends since we were 13 years old. It was our first road trip in my first car, that classy black 99 Chevy Malibu. We were stuck in traffic for hours, dancing to the playlist you made just for this. We made faces at the people in the cars next to us, but mostly you flashed them your newly brace-free smile. Your teeth were now perfect. They made my bucked ones want to keep hiding under the metal train tracks that still laced my aluminum smile. When we finally arrived at Ashley's, we drank wine, our cheeks growing pinker at every sip. My face looked like it was recovering from a sunburn, childish. It gave away how young I really was. Yours was accented, as if you'd spent hours perfecting your blush in the mirror, which, of course, you hadn't. We were hanging out with the older people, and they treated us like we were 25 and invincible, just like them. It was like we were playing dress-up, trying to fit in. We wore a costume of experience. It felt like Halloween, like that time when I was five and I was dressed up as Aladdin, not Princess Jasmine. I didn't know it then, and I refused to realize it, even that weekend with you, but I was, and remained to be, in fact, very gay and very much in love with you. The next day was spent doctoring hangovers with pancakes and a lot of water. The night came and we were too young to go to the club, so we had dinner and some drinks with the rest of the ladies, but the clock trumped our good time and we were sent to spend the rest of the night at my aunt's house. Ashley's little brother, Justin, lived there. He may be Ashley's little brother, but he was still older than us. Justin, Ashley, and I could be siblings. We're all blonde, blue-eyed. You stood out in that house. You stood out everywhere. You were the Latin influence in my life. You've always looked like a dancer, slim with long legs, a narrow waist, tan with olive-colored skin, huge brown eyes and the hips like a real woman, even though we were still just teenagers. So, it was no surprise to me when Justin expressed his attraction to you. Holy boobs, he said once, I kid you not. Justin was gonna go to a party, but we convinced him to stay. We started drinking a concoction of unknown substances. We were getting pretty drunk. Our words began to slur and our laughter began to season our every sentence. 
making our speech almost intelligible. The black and white swirls on the comforter of my cousin's bed began to dance when I tried to focus. My cousin was to sleep on the couch while we were there. We were guests, so we were given his bed. You had a boyfriend back then, but Justin kissed you anyway. I remember you asked him if he ever heard of chapstick because kissing him was like kissing a raisin. You were dating that scumbag of a boy, so I let it happen, and you accepted it gracefully. A friend of Justin's tried to pull me out of the room so you two could be alone, but you held me close. Do you remember that? You were sitting Indian style, like we used to say, and you pulled my head into your lap and hugged me under my arms, making sure I couldn't be taken away from you. Later, we slept on opposite sides of the bed. You woke up and snuck to the bathroom. I woke up and I heard you cry. What's wrong? I sat up and hugged you, wiping the tears off your face. That was the first time you ever let me comfort you. I kissed your cousin. I cheated. You sobbed into my shoulder. Technically, I said, Justin kissed you. And it's okay. Your boyfriend treats you like garbage. I gave you a sad smile and said, what happens in Pennsylvania stays in Pennsylvania. I won't tell anyone. From there, I probably proceeded to make a joke because your tears were dried and your bright, straight smile went back to lighting up the dark. My braces probably shimmered in its light. I didn't think about that then, though. I guess I wasn't self-conscious about how they looked right in that moment. We talked and talked like only best friends can, changing topics after every other sentence, incoherent words to anyone who might be listening. Eventually, to no surprise, we landed on the topic of sex. I suppose I didn't have much to add to that conversation. I was a virgin, one of the only ones at our school. Because of that, our friends always called me a unicorn, impossible to find. Of course, they also called me a dyke, a butch, a lesbian, even though they must have known it hurt. Their eyes on my DC sneakers and baggy t-shirts, I'd counter, I'm not, I would swear to them. I wasn't, I really wasn't. I would tell them that I had a boyfriend. I would tell them, I'm straight, just because I play sports doesn't mean I'm gay. I would deny it to them and to myself. I would say anything I thought would make them like me better. You would stand there next to me every time and tell them to leave me alone. You would confirm that I was straight and that was like the word of God to them. They listened to you. Hey, have you ever kissed a girl? You suddenly asked. Your head was propped up on your hand, held up by your elbow. I was laying on my back with my hands folded across my stomach, making sure I wasn't too close to you. What? A cliche of butterflies slashed its way through my stomach lining and into my chest. They beat their razor-like wings on my heart, forcing it to catch up with their maniacal speed. Have you ever kissed a girl? You repeated nonchalantly, like the question was, is the sky blue? I scoffed, like the thought had never crossed my mind. Nope. No way. Nope. Never. I stuttered, immediately overly aware of every part of you. I was aware of the fact that your leg was now up against mine and your hand was on my arm. Your eyes were light and your perfect teeth rested on your bottom lip. So kiss me, you shrugged. My mouth immediately went dry. What? That's crazy. No way. Amanda, just kiss me. It's no big deal. If it's no big deal, you kiss me. Okay, you said. You leaned towards me and, for a moment, I felt the softness of your lips. I felt your actual smile. The second seemed to last forever. It was better than being drunk. Every part of my body was weightless. I almost forgot that you were kissing me just to give me my first girl kiss. It felt like, like you truly wanted to. And maybe because of that, I, I, I suddenly admitted to myself that 
I wanted to, too. That none of my relationships had lasted for a reason. I was a virgin for a reason. I was who I was because of this. This is what I was supposed to be doing, kissing girls, kissing you. Maybe I really was a dyke, a butch, a lesbian, and all of a sudden, urgently, it was torture pretending that I wasn't any of those terrible things. You laughed at my face, probably a mixture of astonishment and awkwardness, and I instantly wished my teeth were no longer crooked, hoped you weren't staring at my braces, hoped you hadn't felt them against your mouth. Okay, you said. Now, you kiss me. And oh, I did. I didn't hesitate or second-guess what I was doing at all. I kissed you longer than just a second, but not long enough for it to be weird, of course. I could feel the butterflies fighting their way out of my chest. They were still there, but they'd calmed down. They felt at rest somehow. After I kissed you, we laid back down face to face, nose to nose. We were holding hands and laughing together about something I can't remember, something that didn't matter. Our legs were intertwined as tightly as our fingers, and for that night, I really thought you may have felt the same way about me that I did about you. We felt like more than best friends. A few years later, I mentioned that night to you in passing conversation while we were laughing with some friends. Do you remember? You pretended it never happened. And I stood still. Then the butterflies came back, but this time they dive-bombed through my guts like a fighter jet shooting bullets to the ground. It felt like you were ashamed, ashamed of one of the most important days of my life. It felt like you were ashamed of the very day that I, for once, had felt no shame at all. It was the first day that I became exactly who I was, who I am, and you denied its existence. I told you I loved you, and we haven't spoken since. You're engaged now and expecting a baby boy. I wonder if I cross your mind as often as you do mine. Sometimes I think about your perfectly doctored smile and the way it shined that weekend. I still thought you were beautiful, even before that, back when you had that cold metal smile, you know. My braces are off now. My smile is perfect now, too, like yours. I wish you'd had the chance to see it. You'd probably think it looks better than it did that weekend. That weekend we took our first road trip, that weekend we drank like grown-ups, that weekend we kissed, that weekend I finally felt whole. That weekend that you don't remember. Or do you? Do you remember? <laughs> oh my gosh my heart with this piece thank you so much amanda for for joining us here today for sharing your story with us it's definitely something to yeah, dive definitely. right into oh, thanks guys <laughs> my pleasure so amanda this is a truly beautiful story that's not uncommon at all in the lgbtqa plus community about that first person in someone's life that you're really <laughs> attracted to and it like goes completely against the norm but mm -hmm. even even mentioning that if we move it further this this piece just it stands out um in almost every way mm -hmm. Uh, particularly like the, in the imagery yeah the yeah. imagery is absolutely beautiful in this piece I really love the way you took the cliche of butterflies and like you made it completely your own it kept popping up throughout the piece 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also mentioned that um, I also saw that you mentioned teeth a lot in your piece. Yes. And you, there's actually this one quote um, that where you you compare a lot, like her smile and your smile, where you say, um, "Your teeth were now perfect. They made my bucked my bucked ones want to keep hiding under the metal rail tra- train tracks that still laced my aluminum smile." <clears throat> so I really thought it was beautiful and like a new way to just say braces. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure because I I had braces and it it didn't sound nothing like that. Right? <laughs> it didn't feel anything like that. <laughs> You made braces sound so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that in your piece. Yeah. Um, on the topic of teeth and um, braces and whatnot, I kind of noticed after the fact that it was like an accidental metaphor at some point because uh, I said that um, like her straight white smile, mm-hmm. and that was when I realized I was gay. So like <laughs> it was a total accidental metaphor, but I realized it when I was reading it like the other day, and I was like, wow, I could bring that up at some point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it just like I felt like I was behind her in maturity because of like the fact that she already had her braces off and she was so beautiful and like you mm. know she knew it like she fucking mm-hmm. sh- oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> you're you're good we we curse quite a bit on here <laughs> and like you know she used to like strut around the hallways like she owned the place and it was like I was her I was her little like shadow kind of like growing mm-hmm. up like I idolized her because she was all of the things that you know the popular girl you know she's the mean girl she's the one that everyone wants to be mm-hmm. right and I thought I wanted to be her too meanwhile I wanted to date her so it was like yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, um, but I think it also has something to say about about her having already been in that like kind of knowing who she was right, versus yeah. you going still still going through that change and going mm-hmm. through that process of figuring out who you were and I mean I think that it's awesome that if for just the fact that she assisted you in figuring out who you want to be as a person yeah. moving forward and making that connection between, huh, straight, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Right. Like it, 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 uh, worked as she worked as a vehicle yeah. for you. I mean, she was also one of the first people that I came out to in general. Mm. Um, and I don't, and you know, I <laughs> never got like a chance to, because of the fact that she denied that this ever happened. Yeah. I didn't even get her like the chance to tell her that, it was kind of like thanks to her that I came to this conclusion of myself, like, yeah, right. or actually not even came to the conclusion, but admitted it. You know, like it was mm-hmm. finally like, okay, this is this is good, this is this is how it is. Thank you. Yeah. But like, right. because of the fact that you know, I f- I told her I loved her, and it was like, <laughs> mm, now I can never tell her thanks. Uh, I'm gay because of you. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just it just it w- won't it won't work it, out. It'll, it'll never happen unless for some chance she listens to this, which I doubt because she probably avoids everything that has my name on it. So mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> so that was actually going to be one of my next questions oh. as to whether or not you and uh, Ashley is her no, name? No, that's my cousin. Which oh. she, she's unnamed. Yeah, oh, she's I unnamed. Figured, okay, yeah, so you, you and the and, and you. And you. And you. <laughs> <laughs> you and um, you. Whether or not you and this person uh, still communicate at all or have any kind of um, any kind of ties to each other's um, life anymore? No. Uh, the last time I saw her was actually in the hallway here at John Jay. And um, she's not wasn't supposed to be here because she doesn't go here anymore. She transferred. Um, <coughs> and uh, I was having, like, a really bad day. Actually, I was having a really good day because <laughs> I fr- I, it was when I made my first deposit for um, the Tanzania trip. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, everything is great. <laughs> and then I walked down the hallway, like, you know, loving myself and stuff. And then uh, all of a sudden I see her and she looks at me and gives me this, like, smirk. 
Like, mm. Mm, I know this hurts. And, like... Like, I know I still exist somehow yeah. in your past. Yeah, and, like, mm-hmm. I, I walked away, and I had, like, a mini panic attack in the corner. No. <laughs> And yeah, and then and then I got taken out for a drink with yeah, and it was yeah, <laughs> it was a good time. Good, um, that's good. Mm. It's just interesting to me to, I don't know if anyone else does this, and maybe I'm just very weird. But when around Valentine's Day, I really start to think about the love that I've given to other people and that attention mm-hmm. that I've given to others, and whether or not um, they deserved it at all, or how that benefited me. And your piece really, really does that for me. I think that yeah. even if you aren't a part of the LGBT community, even if you aren't, you know, <clears throat> in a relationship with anyone right now, like everyone's gone through that point in their life when they were like, maybe this one person, oh, this still. one person had a huge <laughs> impact. Um, and so it's, I'm just really thankful that <laughs> you wrote this and that, um, I don't, I have this like question I want to ask, but I'm just like not sure how to word it properly. I mean, I still run around chasing unattainable. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I obviously haven't changed at all. So, so you made it like. I obviously haven't changed. It's the golden rule. This is her life you. story. This is my life story. Go around um, chasing people that, uh, you know, straight, friends owned, either way. But have you outgrown this piece? Have you outgrown this person? Um, yeah, I like to think so. I like to think that. Um, well, first of all, I feel like my writing has grown for sure. Like I was, I was reading back at this, and it, it's only been like maybe I don't know. It's been less than a year since I wrote it, and mm-hmm. it, it already feels like it's like the younger part of myself. I feel like I did a lot of growing in 2016 as a whole. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, between my writing style and her effect on me as a person, <laughs> I feel like I've I've gotten over that like rough patch yeah because even just hearing you talk about how the day that you saw her in the hallway that you were on your way to deposit um something for tanzania in order for you to go to grow to get all this experience and to be reverted back into that like i just it it must happen so often i mean i know it does for me with Mm -hmm. specific things and i'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that yeah so one thing that triggers something and you just your world stops. Yeah, all that <laughs> progress, and, and it doesn't matter, like, how great of a person you've become. You just somehow revert, even if it's just for a second, back to mm-hmm. that person that you used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, we would like to ask um, anything you would like your listeners to take away from the story. Oof. <laughs> uh, that it's okay to, um, I guess it's, a, it, like, it's okay to be rejected. You'll get over it. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh and that it, they that like even those people that like at that moment you're like wow are you kidding me you forgive them and you move on and you can take something from that and it helps you grow and it helps you become a better stronger person than you were um when it happened and everything seems like such a big deal when it's happening but then like you know a couple of weeks couple of months from then you're laughing about it because, like, the fact that I can take this piece and, like, joke around about it. Meanwhile, at the time, it was so, like, mind-exploding <laughs> to me. Like, um, it, I don't know, things like this, they just help you grow. Yeah, for sure. So no regrets, Ace? Nope. Not one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me again. <laughs> You're very welcome. Our next story is by Yvette Diaz. Yvette Marie Diaz is a banker by day 
and a student by night at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, acquiring a bachelor's degree in English. Although those two roles tie up the majority of her time, nothing takes more of her energy than raising her 12-year-old daughter and her soon-to-be infant that is due March 2017. Amidst all of this, her soul craves writing, and this was reignited with her spring 2016 creative nonfiction class course with Professor Madrazo. She hopes her rawness and vulnerability in her writing makes it even the smallest connection in the world. Let's take a listen to Vienna Sausage. Jeremy was always such a good time. From our first initial meeting at my bank's branch in Brooklyn, you could just feel a youthful energy emanating from him. He made it his duty to greet everyone with the same direct intensity. Hi, how are you? I'm Jeremy from Tuners Corp, he'd say, his standard greeting to everyone in the room. Until he got to me. My branch manager, Fran, introduced us. Jeremy, this is our branch operations coordinator, Yvette. Hi, welcome. It's a pleasure to meet you, I said, not giving him a chance to talk. I'm hoping we can produce better results this time around. Your previous rep wasn't too keen on follow-ups. Wow, straight to the point this one, he responded. Jeremy's smile widened as he shook my hand and assured me he was a closer. So, he said to me, so you might not get that term. So for baseball, I interrupted him. Jeremy, don't make assumptions. I love baseball. I got your reference just fine. Okay, okay, this one is a straight shooter. I smiled sweetly to that response. I enjoyed the fact that he was smiling throughout our entire conversation. Come to think of it, so was I. Jeremy suggested to exchange numbers to ensure I could always reach him. It was quite apparent that his availability wasn't limited to professional occasions. I tried to hide my smirk. A week from our initial meeting, as I closed up the branch on a cold Friday night, a text came in. Hey, Yvette, I'm holding an event at the 4040 Club for a new player that was signed to the Jets. Want to come through? I read the text and thought about what my current evening was looking like. Mimi, my daughter, was in the Bronx with my parents, and I had every intention of eating and watching Nip Tuck episodes on Netflix by myself. I was even sort of looking forward to it. I thought about texting that I was busy, but... Oh, why not? I thought. A night out might do me good. Newly single me, since I'd left my husband recently, rarely went out. I had gone out on a few dates just for fun, but I had zero interest in anything going past fun. And, in truth, none of the guys I met were really all that fun. I was starting to prefer nights in, alone, with Nip Tuck. Maybe it was time to live a little, though, I assured myself, as I got ready. I straightened my long, curly black hair, put on some fishnet stockings, black pumps, and my skin-tight black dress that hugged me in just the right places, topped off with simple makeup and a dark, rich plum lipstick. I felt good, and I was ready to dance. By the time I arrived at the club, the event was over. I was slightly annoyed because he did not indicate to me time frame, and here I was, all dolled up, ready to dance. Jeremy, unbeknownst to me, had other plans. Yvette, you look great. Wow, I didn't know you were that sexy outside of those work clothes, baby girl. For the remainder of the night, we headed to two different spots in the city. For each place we went to, Jeremy knew everyone. We did not wait on any lines, and we actually entered into both places through a private entrance. At one of the lounges, I even had the distinct pleasure of meeting Curtis Granderson, who at the time played for the Yankees. A pretty dope night, to say the least. I could get used to this, I thought. Throughout what was now apparently an official date, Jeremy frequently checked on me, rubbed the small of my back, never reaching towards my roundness although I'm sure the temptation was there. We drank, we laughed, and when he dropped me off at home at 6 a.m., he kissed me tenderly on the lips and wished me a good morning. 
a perfect gentleman, and a perfect date. How was this man single, I thought. We hung out multiple times after that, every time as great as the first. I was really starting to like Jeremy. He was such a motivated individual. He maintained his own business as a marketing rep for newly signed baseball football players, and he worked full time for the merchant services company, Tuners Corp. He was accomplished, cute, funny, and kind. Why was Jeremy still single? Early on a Saturday morning, Jeremy texted me. Hey, babe, if you're free tonight, I'd love to make you dinner. I know how you love wine, so I bought a nice bottle of Riesling. Cupcake is the winery you like, right? Let me know if you're free. I was so tickled that he remembered this detail. Why is this man speaking to my soul right now? I'm always down for food. And homemade? By him? He cooks too? Just by chance, Mimi had a sleepover, so Mama was all forms of available. Hey, Jay, you got it. Is seven okay? I text him back. Okay, okay, relax. But I couldn't. I was going to his place for wine, for dinner. I think we both knew what this meant, what I'd already basically said yes to. Yes, I thought, this is it. Maybe tonight is the night that I finally get to know what he feels like. We were connecting so well, I was actually excited to push the limits further. I'm very selective on who I allow to enter me, literally. But with Jeremy, I didn't have to contemplate it. Yes, this was it, I knew. This is exactly where we needed to go, our next step. I could really be with this guy. As I began to get ready, I decided to leave my hair natural. I would hate to straighten it and have to get it all messed up on account of sweat, you know? I made sure every nook was shaved and presentable. I decided to go completely hairless below as I imagined it to be much more aesthetically pleasing to the eye. I had to think of everything. This was it. I arrived at his condo and as I stood outside his door, the aroma of what I was sure was tilapia and maybe sauteed veggies too, enveloped the air. Hey hon, ready to eat? He greeted me. Big smile, big energy, and big heart. His eyes passed over my face as I looked back at his smooth chocolate skin. Was I more interested in dessert than the main course? Dinner was delicious. I had no idea Jeremy would be able to cook so well. Conversation was so fluid too. It seemed like with the progression of time, he felt a lot more comfortable talking about his past. I used to cook for my ex-fiance all the time. She rarely cooked. How long were you engaged for? I pried. Years, she left me, he responded. Ouch, I didn't say anything, but I was thinking, why? Why did she leave? Again, why is Jeremy single? How could this man be single? I honestly wasn't interested in swapping stories on our battles from individual wars of love. You know what? I was ready to stop talking altogether. Hey, that is life, I said, trying to lighten the mood. It is shitty, but it's also the shit. I smiled at him. Next thing I knew, we were in the bedroom. Now, honestly, it had been some time since I last had had sex, so I was a little nervous, but I was ready. I wanted this. I wanted him. Suddenly, it was like fight night for me. Game motherfucking on. Jeremy immediately pulled me close to him, placing his hands on my waist and kissing my neck. His hands passed under my t-shirt as he drew me closer for a kiss on the lips. I pulled my shirt off, and before I knew it, I was naked in all my shaven glory. We moved on to the bed where Jeremy now too was almost completely naked. His boxers remained on, although my eyes wanted them off already. Why are they still on? Jeremy asked me to lie on my back as he began slowly kissing me from the sides of my ears to the center of my neck, leading to my heart and nipples, brushing his lips past my abdomen until finally he reached the gold mine. He began his work and I instantly felt uncomfortable. The movement of his tongue was reminiscent of a dog scraping up the last bits of his food. 
Gross. Okay. Okay. No worries. Maybe this is not his forte, I thought. No judgment. Thankfully, he soon stopped and reached towards the nightstand. Inside, I saw what looked like a sea of condoms. Magnums. Really? Magnums. I did a double take. Yup. All magnums. I smile. Well, I guess maybe what he lacks with his mouth, he makes up for in other ways. My previous discomfort melted. I knew this man was close to perfect, but magnum perfect? Jeremy pulled his pants down and started to rip the wrapper open, and that's when my excitement diminished. Wait, what? I glanced at his erect penis. Is he fully erect? He can't be. Seems awfully small to fill a magnum condom. No, he must just not be. He proceeded to place the condom on and asked me to lay back again. I must have not seen correctly, I think. There's no way he has all those magnums if he's not a magnum guy. I'm just overthinking this. It can't be this. No. The penetration began, apparently. Thrust, thrust, thrust. Is he even inside? I look at Jeremy, who oddly enough has his eyes nowhere near my face. He's looking down at his own movement, biting the bottom right side of his lips. He's inside. He's enjoying this. What the fuck? Really? My gaze focuses on the ceiling fan that is rotating counterclockwise. I note a good film of dust on each panel. When was the last time he cleaned his fan? I think. Someone really needs to clean this fan. It's so gross. Meanwhile, Jeremy is now penetrating me with what he believes to be his full capacity. I suddenly remember I shouldn't be so concerned about the fan. I look back at him. What on earth is happening here? Why am I not feeling anything? Magnums. Magnums, though. I guess he really was fully erect. I'd seen it. All of it. What I was feeling certainly matched what I saw. Why would he have so many magnums if he is not a magnum kind of guy? I mean, I don't walk around with 32D cup bra. I know what I have and I know what I don't. Does he really not know? Jeremy stopped penetrating and sat up. Come this way, baby. You go on top. On top? Wait. On top of that? Who could ride that? I need a moment. Hold on, I say in a calm voice. I need to go to the bathroom. I darted out of the bedroom and made my way down the hallway to the restroom. I locked the door behind me and looked at my reflection in the mirror. I looked unhappy, utterly displeased. This is what I get for anticipating. What did I get myself into? Shit. Jeremy is such a good guy, and I like him. I have to give him a second chance. I mean, this could be something good, right? Should I finish this? I mean, I already started, and the man is waiting for me in his room fully nude. At this point, I just have to finish. I have to. I cannot hurt his feelings. I'll just put on the mask of feigned pleasure, all to cater to his ego, like I've done before with others, like many women have done before me. And besides, tonight was perfect. He did all the right things. He treated me so well without expecting much from me. It's just sex anyway, right? But it's not just sex. It's my body. My body that I maintain control over. My body that I decide who can and cannot touch. You know what? I don't need to do this, I think. I've had sex with zero pleasure involved solely not to hurt the other person's ego. How many times? Egos are important. I get it. Saving face is important too. But you know what? This is my vagina. I don't need to fuck anyone. I don't want to fuck. It would be pointless to pursue this further for myself, but for him too. You know what? I'm not feeling it. And that's okay. I wash my hands and head back to the room. Jay, I say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. 
What's wrong? What happened? Did I hurt you? Yeah, buddy. Sure you did. I almost spit out a response that would shatter his self-esteem. Instead, I think of one that could in part be true, but also not offend him. After all, I liked him. And hey, it's not his fault that what he's working with, I cannot work with. I then respond to him. No, no, not at all. I want to be honest with you because it is good to always maintain a level of honesty. You know that carnal feeling you're supposed to have when you have sex with someone? Well, I am not feeling it. Whatever he said thereafter is a blur. <sighs> I head home a few minutes later. I guess it's back to Netflix. Two weeks later, while I'm enjoying my lunch at work, my iPhone chimes with a popcorn sound. A text message from Jeremy. Hey, Yvette. I just wanted to hit you up and let you know there are no hard feelings for what happened last time. As your friend, though, I do have to say that you are having serious commitment issues, and you need to address that. I know that is why you stopped it. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe he was right. I wasn't willing to commit. Not to something that wasn't working for me. He didn't have to know that I was refusing to commit to his penis. And that's fine. He didn't need to know. He would also never know that for probably the remainder of my life, he would always be affectionately known to me as Vienna Sausage. Oh, man, you oh guys. My God, this story. Thank you so this much for being here tonight. Yes, awesome. thanks, Evie. Yes, that was so amazing. Your intensity in the piece always had me questioning, what is wrong with this guy? Like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Because yeah. <laughs> he seems so perfect. So how was the writing process to get that intensity going in the story? And were you really constantly thinking, like, well, what is wrong with this man? What were some thoughts that you had that would be wrong with him? Right. Well, the interesting thing is I only talked about what had happened with a few of my friends. So it was not something that I wrote about. It was not something that I text about. And when um, it came about that we were trying to figure out, or I was trying to figure out what I was going to write for class, I said, maybe this might be a good story to talk about just because of, I guess, how it affected me mm -hmm. and how I felt it could affect others. Mm -hmm. Aside from it being something, I think there's obviously humor in it, right? Yeah. yeah. It Lots was of humor. <laughs> <laughs> it was more sure. so me trying to kind of put out there that there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't want to do this. I feel mm -hmm. like we put ourselves in situations sometimes and we follow through, not because we want to follow through, yeah. but because I don't want to make him feel bad or her bad. Right. So um, I really wanted to just get that out there. And I thought it would just be interesting to put on paper. So once I started doing it, it's like, this is, I don't know. Am I, am I prepared to present this to the class? Because that's another thing oh. too. <laughs> it was, this was a class piece. An academic class. <laughs> precisely. <laughs> precisely. So I started thinking, okay, how is everyone going to react? That's another thing as well. I didn't want it to be that I go from, which for what everyone knew me as, right? Like, oh, she works, she goes to school, she's a mom. Mm -hmm. And then they read this and it's like, whore, or whatever. You know, no. I, didn't, I didn't know how the how it was going to be perceived, but yeah. I figured I could take the chance, and Madraza was down for it, so. But I think that's so fascinating, the fact that, like, you consistently use humor in your piece to serve as a vehicle to discuss these serious topics. Right. Like, um, in particular, you have the sex scene where, like, you run to the bathroom and you contemplate if you should really go back and fake it. And, like, right. that's an option that, as women, we, like, we consistently have. Like, okay, we feel <laughs> we obligated that we've lot. already, like, right. like in some way Filthy. consented to this actually finishing or right. finishing him off or, you know, whomever the person is or that we're sleeping with. even before that, because, like, when I'm getting ready, ready 
and I'm I'm getting all excited about it and I'm like, okay, like this is it. It's going to happen. I know what I said yes to. It's kind of like something that was expected. Yeah. I'm gonna come like, over. Like by you saying yes right. from the very beginning to the date that you've already right. like basically signed yeah. your your name at the my end vagina. of this contract. <laughs> you've signed vagina. your vagina <laughs> to the that exactly. And that's and that I think that's so fascinating that you know, in this piece, you you're like no th this my vagina my right. rules like i know yeah, samantha yeah. at one mm -hmm. point she was like yes girl yeah. like she just said like she was just like was this like, is what it's about it's right. about the fact that like you have the power at any time to say this is my body right. and i decide whether or not yes. i want to continue and we're not taught and that, that. Is so powerful. most no. women aren't taught that especially as young girls as young adults we're not taught that it's okay for us to say no we're taught mm -hmm. that we're supposed to be there to Stick make them it. make them feel better yeah. make them feel good and i'm sorry i want to feel good so yeah and I, that's I exactly guess. that's right. what it is we're we're, we're an active <laughs> participant in this we should feel good and i mean let's take this away for a second anybody listening to this podcast in preparation for oh valentine's day all of you guys need to understand that you're allowed to feel good in whatever you decide to do tonight right. and or you know in the future <laughs> right. so like you let that no. let that be something you can say no you can yeah. say yes you right. can you can dictate how you want things to be because it's your body and right. you should enjoy it as much as the person you're trying to make sure that they enjoy it as well and then Absolutely. not only mm -hmm. that too i wanted it to um also display that <laughs> despite my um displeasure that i was still like concern for the other individual because I had no yeah. issues with him. There was nothing wrong with him. I wasn't, I had no problem. And if I could have been an entirely different person and said, hey, this is the issue and this is why I can't continue on. But I said, what would be the, what would be the purpose of me doing that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, um, like, uh, how does it, how does it benefit you by quote unquote hurting his ego or whatever the case right. is? Right. And not but even it, that too. I didn't, I, I didn't want that responsibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I, if I had no interest in going past this, unless I actually saw something um, going further than that moment, and, and maybe it could have, but I also recognize the fact that um, sex is a part of a relationship. Yeah. So I knew we weren't going to go further. And if I take that on to say, okay, maybe it seems like you're not really aware of yourself right mm -hmm. yeah that's like me connecting me to you for a very long time and yeah let's not and say we did i just <laughs> <laughs> let's not and say we did right i just i had yeah. that in mind too i guess in that moment where i was like yeah, yeah this really defeats the purpose let's let's not what i also found like kind of kind of screwed up is how like after you told him like this is not gonna work he kind of like tried to judge you in the end like turn around to you oh, he's yeah. like oh it's just something wrong with you something yeah. with Precisely. me make him feel better it's about himself yeah it's still it's you because he, he can't deal with that he can't right he can't right, deal right. With being judged and i was just like damn <laughs> which he he took my own personal situation prior to so the fact that mm -hmm. i was like in the process of getting divorced right mm -hmm. and oh you clearly have trust issues because it's not like we really talked about my situation i didn't divulge information yeah. as much we were still getting to know each other so for and you to then sit there and say hey it's you yeah, yeah. it's fine it's run me. with it i was fine with it run with it like go on tell your friends i hooked up with <laughs> this chick and you know, she has issues. Yeah, fine. Like, fine. Let, let, let that be. Ahead, right? oh, that gets ahead. me so annoyed. <laughs> so aggravated. But I, it's I not my tiny that. wiener. It's it's your problem. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> and and not only that too. Um, it's it's not necessarily just the size. Mm -hmm. uh, are we are we okay to be a little frank? Yeah, okay. you can be frank. You can, you're allowed to curse. You're allowed to okay. say whatever's on your mind so, at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> <who's frank>? <laughs> <laughs> obviously, um, when I'm not saying obviously, but. 
um, there's definitely potential for you to have a good sexual experience with someone that maybe is not well endowed. Yeah. Right? yeah. Been there. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. It was really nothing to do just like specifically in terms with the size. It was the fact that he was just so unaware of, of himself. himself. Yeah. So and this is why I threw in the, the reference Karen of like the 32D cup bra. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have those. I will never have those. So I won't walk around and try to put on something <laughs> like I do. Yeah. Right. So that was what that's, threw me off a lot. That's what I really, that's what I like stuck to the most is that there is definitely potential for that to not have been necessarily like an issue and stuff like right. that. But when you, <laughs> the sweater you were wearing was an extra large and you're a small honey. That's right. basically what it was. So then you just mentioning that, Evie, makes me really want to point out the simple fact of this this one topic that stuck with me through the entire piece right. was that a lot, I feel like a lot of people are going to miss take this piece for oh wow like she just didn't want him because he had a micro penis or something mm-hmm. along that sense mm-hmm. Scary. but which is which <laughs> i think that i think that that's not what we want our audience to take away from this no, right it wasn't the size that had a problem but i love the fact that you because i i, I, I I'm, I'm like stuttering because I'm trying to find a better way to say this. I found myself at some points in the piece being like, oh, no, I kind of feel bad for him. Like we're, you know, like we're judging him. But then I was like, hold up. How many times yeah. do people judge females on a day to day basis about whether or not our ass looks good, whether or not right. we have like, you know, a, a, a nice wrap, <laughs> breast, you know, small exactly. Big butt, small butt, small waist, mm-hmm. good hair. Bad hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Small most night. Yeah. And so how right. does that how does that, you know, come into play in this piece when why am I sitting here feeling bad for somebody who has probably judged me or judges women just e- equally the same? Right. Um and, and I think that it really hits me in that point when you talk about I don't have a thirty two D chest and I'm not <laughs> trying to pretend that I do. Right. Right. Um, I, th- I think a, a big issue with that, especially when it comes to females and in this society, mm-hmm. not only um, are we being body shamed by male counterparts, mm-hmm. we also body shame each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of, um, oh, my God, look at her. She's she's not as pretty or look at her body or look at this. So mm-hmm. for for me, which I, I get that I, I had that concern as well, like people are going to instantly feel bad for this character. Yeah. And it's not I mean, they're they. they definitely can that's not Mm -hmm. an issue if you feel bad for the dude run with it as well but what i wanted to i guess like overall for the piece to point out and show yeah is that it it has nothing to do like what we were saying before specifically with it itself right and who's to say right that there hasn't been instances where i've actually had someone kind of look at me that way like i'm referencing yeah breasts and they're Mm -hmm. probably like I don't want to work with those. They're yeah. kind of tiny. Yeah, that's right? that's yeah. not that's not what I want. But right. like, why is it bad for like why is it as women or maybe I, I can only speak for myself mm-hmm. that our inherent thing is to be like, oh well, maybe I shouldn't like maybe I don't have a right to say no to this because of these things. Whereas we're not you, taught anything different. Yeah, but yeah. that like it's it's a, I love that you point that out. I right. love that it's, you make that true. extremely clear that like we have just as much a right to say yes and no to whatever we're about to get ourselves into and what we want in a relationship right. as yeah. men are. We don't even right. know anyone a chance. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, there was there was some talk is you can give it a chance like you never know like you oh, don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Right. The men in class are saying like hey you know blah blah blah. <laughs> well, if maybe you don't you don't know that woman's experience. She could, exactly like you said before. Right. You have had 
people that were less endowed. Right. <laughs> it was great with them. But that doesn't mean that you owe this other guy like a chance. Right. You don't know anyone anything. And, and yeah, bear in exactly. mind, too, it, it could have been the scenario of him being extremely well endowed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been. And it, yeah. I could have still had that same feeling. It could have been that we just did not have that connection, yeah. that sexual connection, that carnal yeah. feeling. Like I had mentioned to him, actually, I didn't include it in the story, but I used that exact word mm-hmm. in conversation with him. So it was a way of me being honest, but not too honest, right? Where yeah. I'm like that carnal feeling that you're supposed to feel, I'm not feeling it. So yeah. it will be the sense of me continuing. But but to just tackle more of what you were saying, um, the the issue is, like I said before, that from young, from when we're little girls, we're taught to appease more than to stand up for ourselves. Yeah. And stand up, stand out, and speak our mind, and, mm-hmm. and go with what we feel, what we like, what we don't like. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was 12, like 12, 13, and I would have my dad tell me, oh, you're never going to make a man happy because I was too combative with him because I, I had an opinion because yeah. I wasn't a yes girl. Because we're not yeah. supposed to be that as women. Right. We're not supposed to speak and our minds. We're that, not supposed to with take everything. control of our bodies, our situations. Well, situations. Our, we're taught to be you know, I mean, pleasers. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, that's right. and that was my immediate my immediate reaction while reading the piece was, oh, I feel so bad and like and and I can right. see I can see the um she's reacting right oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah, and like and you can um, I lost I lost train of thought. I'm so sorry. Baby. No, it's okay. And she's like yeah, doing this right okay. now. So for no, those no. that don't know that aren't in studio with us. Uh, <laughs> Evie is actually eight months pregnant right. with a daughter, and she also has another awesome daughter at home. And this story is just like a complete testament to what awesome women they will be as well. Mm. Oh, very nice. No, she totally is reacting though. I'm not even joking. <laughs> she's like doing this right now. Oh, yeah. She loves the studio, loves the mic. She likes voices. Aww. She's very active. All right. Okay. Well, with that, thank you so much, Yvette. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity, guys. This is dope. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. We loved having you here. Yeah, we love talking to you. That's no. amazing. Here's hoping I, I have an opportunity to like actually sit down and write something else. Yes, please do. And oh, and don't forget, everyone out there, you can always submit your pieces moving mm-hmm. forward on uh, www.lifeoutloudpodcast.com. Feel free to check it out, y'all. Our last piece of the night is by an especially new author here at Life Out Loud, Andrew Gamone. Andrew Gamone graduated from John Jay College of Criminal Justice in the fall of 2016 with a fire and emergency service major and a writing minor. After taking fiction writing with Professor Berlin, Andrew discovered his passion for writing. When he's not working full-time as a manager at Guess Inc., he writes short stories and jams out to Elvis, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and classic rock music on his acoustic guitar. He also enjoys cooking dinner for his family when he doesn't have late work shifts. Planning on going to grad school for marketing and advertising, Andrew has a goal to join the FDNY and also working for a TV network. Thanks, Karen. Let's take a listen to Andrew's piece entitled, Ain't That a Hole in a Boat? My hands travel up and down her, focusing on every detail. The way the muscles in her back make her spine feel like a defined line. The way her hips are bigger than her waist, but not in an overweight kind of way, like, like a goddamn, goddamn kind of way. Her hands reach down to the waist of her pants. This is it. Do I help her unbutton them? Do I watch? Do I say something? My heart races even faster than the first time we took our shirts off. My hands go to hers for her to guide me. She wiggles on top of me, but she only adjusts her waistband up. Damn. 
just when I was about to pull out my confidence sword. Okay, okay, I can still turn this around. I pull her into me, kiss down her neck. Her breathing gets deeper. I make my way down her breasts. She claws at my back. This is it. My hands go to the middle of her jeans. Andrew? She says it under her breath as I zip down her pants. No puedo seguir con esto. I look up at her, confused as fuck. I kiss her neck. Is that Spanish for take off your pants? As I say this, she pushes my back against the seat. I like where this is going. No, stupid. It means I, um, I can't do this anymore, she says. What do you mean you can't do this anymore? I thought you wanted all of this. Andrew, I, I just, I can't keep lying to him. So you guys are together again, and you didn't want to tell me? Fuck. I should have known this was going to happen. What was the point of doing all this if she was just going to get back with him anyway? No, it's not that, she says. He knows. What do you mean he knows? I kind of told him. Kind of? How the hell do you tell him? Shit. Now we got to watch my back more. It's not like I'm scared of him. <laughs> that would be a joke. I only met the dude once and he's like 5'10 maybe. Only an inch or two taller than me with like 1% muscle on him. I'm not one to brag, but I mean, hey, got to give credit where credit's due. I'm not the super buff kind of guy, but I work my ass off to look like a Greek god. Or at least a demigod since I can't find the time to eat over 5,000 calories a day. I didn't tell him it was you. Oh, thank God. But he found out I was talking to someone else, and he broke down his feelings and realized he doesn't want to lose me. Who the hell said I wanted to lose you? I don't care so much about being with her, but I can't stand the thought of her staying with him. Okay, I do care about being with her. I mean, it's Leslie. I've had a thing for her since I first started working, I guess. When we met five months ago, we were just friendly because she was totally into this douchebag. But a month later, they break up, I was there, she was vulnerable, and we hit it off faster than the guys that lease new cars every day. And now this, after all the times he's made her cry and called her names, I've been the one that's there. I'm the one that picks her up after all her shifts. And I'm the one that she chooses to take to museums for class assignments. And I'm the one who brings her to new places that she's never even heard of before I mention them. I just, I can't stomach the image of him touching and holding her the way I do. The way we talk to one another. The many adventures we'd go on trying to find a place to eat and fighting about it for two and a half hours until I finally decide to take the initiative. The way she rubs her feet on my leg. She's going to go do that to him now, all the time, instead of me. You're not going to lose me, Andrew. We're friends, of course. Friend-zoned. She keeps going. I just think that... I unfortunately met the right person at the wrong time. Maybe in a different universe or era, you could just be mine, but in this one you can't. You're my forbidden fruit, and as much as I wish that I could have you, I can't. What the hell does forbidden fruit mean? Leslie, you can have me. You're choosing him over me, so I'm not good enough? No, it's not that. It's just that I love him. My fists clench. That was supposed to be said on my head. I keep digging the hole deeper for myself. I do love you, she says. But I love him more. He's been everything to me for the last three years. So you're going to tell me that this grumpy cat-looking douchebag is better than me? Emphasis on the douche because that's what he is. At least to me, in my point of view, he is. I keep going. And after all the nights of you crying and me being at your side at... <sighs> I look at my watch. Two in the morning? Damn. 
We've been here since 11, and I should have been home an hour ago. Not that I have a curfew, but my dad would kill me if I strolled in three nights in a row after three. Andrew, she finally speaks. I always remind you of how amazing you are. I never want you to forget your value as the beautiful soul that you are. I keep listening. Now, I'm not one to beg out loud, but please, please don't give me this big preachy I can't be with you now speech. When you asked me how much you meant to me the other day, I had to think about it because, yep, here it comes. What you meant to me four months ago compared to what you mean to me now is something I would have never imagined. She takes a deep breath, right when I think she's done. I wish that I can just keep you forever and you can just be mine, but I can't lie to myself or to you as if that were true. I want you to find someone who appreciates you for being so imaginative and has a bigger heart than even you. I did find someone, I say. But she doesn't want to accept the fact that it's her. I look over at her. Tears are forming in her eyes. I feel my face get red. Am I making her cry? Or is it the situation we put ourselves in? Well, the situation she put herself in since she kissed me first. I wipe the tears away before they can stream down her face. Maybe I can turn this around. I lean in and kiss her cheek, move down to her neck. Maybe just one more kiss can make her mine. I go for it, but she turns her cheek out and kisses my forehead. You know that I love you, Andrew. I have so much love for you, and I will always have a soft spot for you, and I want you to be happy. I'll always care about you and be at your side. How? Do you really think being friends is going to work after all the shit we've done? If you don't want to lose me, you'll make it work. Whoa, did she just give me an ultimatum? That's kind of hot. I guess I'll have to deal with it. All right, let's get going. It's late. I unlock the doors to the truck. If one of us got out without unlocking it, the alarms will go off. And I'm not sure if this neighborhood would appreciate an obnoxious car alarm going off at 2.25 in the morning. That's the last thing I need right now. I always open the door for her, but this time I don't. It's just that, why should I give her all the chivalry and old school type manly traditions when I'm not even going to get picked by her anyway? I get out on the driver's side and the cold air instantly sends chills straight through my bones. Caught in the moment of getting my heart broken, I forgot to put on my jacket. I looked back in the car and see Leslie in the passenger seat on her phone. I'll sacrifice getting pneumonia by staying outside for another minute. I can't believe she would choose him over me. Him. I take my phone out and check Instagram just to waste time. I can't go back in there yet. And then I see it. I see her username liked one of his photos. I clicked on the little image to make it fit the screen. Curiosity killed the cat. It's a picture of Leslie and him, as happy as can be, holding one another. Her big smile melts my heart, while his stupid grin sends fire in my veins. The dude has the most beautiful girl all to himself, and he can't even smile like he's happy about it. Wait a second. I look in the car and peep that she's on Instagram too. Did she just fucking like this picture? Just now? Are you serious? I open the truck door and jump in, letting the chill get to her as it did to me. I start the car up and look over at her. Her eyes are sad, but I can't tell if it's because of what she said about everything or if it's because we ended whatever the hell we were in the first place. You couldn't wait to like the Instagram picture until you were home? What? How the hell did you? Did you really go outside to creep on my Instagram? Great. Make it seem like I'm some kind of stalker. 
No, I say. It came up on my following page. Wait, why am I explaining myself? You're the one who couldn't wait to like it. I bet you're itching to post something. Andrew, he posted it. I didn't want him to, but he just does things on his own like that. I have no control over what he posts. I wouldn't even want to have that kind of control. Put yourself in my shoes, Leslie. How the hell do you think I feel seeing that you can be as happy as ever in that picture and not even once think about what we could be? How can you sit back and like a picture and tell me that you love him more than me when we've been fooling around for the past four months? She makes a crinkle with her lips. She has no idea what to say. I pull out of my spot, I always park in. I'm taking you home, right? If you don't mind, she says, like it's a hassle for me to bring her home. Well, I'm not going to leave you here. Do you even know where we are? Yeah, we're by where we park when we mess around, she says laughing, trying to lighten the mood a little. It works, but not fully. So, that's it, huh? I don't say it with anger or sympathy. What do you mean, that's it? I just mean like you and me. That's it. You don't even want to give us a real shot. She looks down. It's just that I can't. No, you can. You just don't want to. Now the anger in my voice is starting to become noticeable. Andrew, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Don't make it harder than it has to be. Is being my friend not good enough? There's that friend term again. It's good enough. It just hurts. The radio doesn't help by playing Bring It On The Heartbreak by Def Leppard and What You Need by The Weeknd. I click the volume dial to turn the radio off. Andrew, I just need you to get over it. Ouch. Those last three words strike me like a bolt of lightning. I feel like I'm drowning. Fine. I drive faster to get her home faster because clearly she wants to get rid of me. Please slow down. Why? You clearly don't want me around. That's not what I meant, she says. I just want you to be okay and for us to stay as close as we are personally. And after having a physical connection, is that even possible? I pulled up to her house. She looks at me with those big brown eyes. Each second, her glare makes me realize how I had allowed myself to fall for her, even in this exact moment. She holds out her arms for me to come hug her goodbye. Is this going to be our last goodbye? Our last chance to be touching? My last chance to touch and feel her? I go in for it, just because I don't want to miss any chance I have to touch her. She kisses my cheek, and then I kiss hers. She goes to do it again, and at that moment, I lean in to kiss her cheek, and we kiss, just like our first time. I take in the moment, the heat of her breath, the way her lips overlap mine, the way her hand wraps around my bicep, how her hair manages to get in my mouth, even though I'm kissing her lips. She pulls away. I'm sorry, I say. But I'm not really, though. Why should I be? For what? I don't know. Not that kiss. And certainly I'm not sorry for giving you everything you could have dreamed of and you not accepting it in the long run. I'm not sorry for any of what we did, the endless nights in the truck, the museum visits around the city, the dinners that took too much from one paycheck. Don't be sorry, silly. If I didn't want to, I would have stopped you. Well, now I'm just fucking confused. <sighs> How can she want to kiss me and then not want to be with me? Does some part of her want to be with me? And something's not letting her accept that? Are you going to be okay? She says with too much sympathy for her own good. I'll be just fine, I say. But I know I won't. I'm going to head upstairs. She pulls me in for a hug, kisses my cheek. 
Just don't forget that I'm always here, she says as she closes the door of the truck. Watching her walk away isn't always this bad. Well, it's still not bad. It just sucks. I always made sure she got in safe for two reasons. One, to get my male hormones in check. And two, to make sure she got in safe and wasn't left locked out of her own house in the cold. <sighs> Whatever. I drive off. Is she going to miss everything we did? Everything we talked about? How can she expect to just be friends? Hell, how am I supposed to deal with that? Feelings don't just turn off like a light switch. I can't just cut her off. <sighs> Whatever. I drive off. Is she going to miss everything we did? Everything we talked about? Is she going to... My phone lights up as I pull up to the stoplight. It's Leslie. And she's... Texting me? To come back? Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch indeed. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. The roller coaster that we just went on. I, I never want to get off, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I want to know what's at the end. So thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for coming. Into thank you for having me. Sweet story. Um, and yeah, let's just get into it. Okay. Okay, so... The first question that I really want to ask, because it's like a pain in my heart that I was feeling the entire time, was were you ever scared of the vulnerability that you're demonstrating in the story of ultimately of rejection, or so we think? Like, because you're just, you're telling the story essentially about you, and it's just, the way it ends is a nice guy gets rejected, and that's it. Like, for some douchebag. So were you ever scared of, of, of how that might I don't know, portray you? Um, yeah, totally. Um, writing it, I, the first time I took the glance at it, it kind of felt like I was putting myself too much out there. So reading it again, it's like, I, there were these like quick smart remarks that are like going on in my head that I let bleed onto the page. So that kind of put up the defensive wall. So for me to, get comfortable to put it out and then once I got rid of the stupid remarks and like the snotty answers I was like okay let's chop that out that's not what I want to put in here you know so definitely vulnerable this is this whole big process I yeah I find that a lot with like stories that me and Samantha have written mm -hmm. where when you edit it again you kind of have to s strip away and be like okay you're not showing the full story here me yeah <laughs> um, yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah Do I know what but say? yeah the story was definitely the ending of the story took quite a turnaround for me <laughs> um i i love how like it climaxed to be like she's leaving she's leaving and she's leaving to like mm, nope no she's not <laughs> <laughs> it was like a total like leaving 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 uh -oh. and nope <laughs> yeah so i really really like that about the story it's totally unexpected um, and it came so naturally. So I really want to know, um, was it hard for you to write that plot twist? And um, how did it really feel to get that text? And did you turn around? <laughs> That's the question everybody wants to know. Um, I'll, I'll answer that one first. Um, I did turn around at the time. Um, it went on for like maybe a couple more weeks. And it kind of just burned. You know, it was kind of just like, after everything that happened, it wasn't right for me, yeah. you know, right. so, false start. yeah, yeah, false start, false start. Mm -hmm. um, 
What was the other question? Oh, um, how how was it to how was it writing that uh climax that plot twist? Was it hard to write that? Plot it wasn't hard to write. It wasn't because it happened. It just happened. Naturally. It just happened. Yeah. It just yeah. it just just went with it. Um, why did you decide to leave it off there? Was making that decision to like leave it off there and not continue going further was that difficult? It was because there was more stuff that I wanted to say, but then it just felt like I was just saying stuff just to simply say stuff you know it was kind of like a coping mechanism right. instead of a art so it was kind of like me just saying blah 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 okay let's scrap this out right. and how did it feel to get that text message like <sighs> your heart son, of bitch. son of a bitch son of a bitch indeed. it was it was tough um it was like a two-step it was like a foot in the door and then three steps back outside the door yeah. so it was kind of like yes I'm, in, I'm it was like i'm in this good space now and let's backtrack to where we were mm. a little while ago right so. and do you mind me asking um after if it's too personal you don't have to after you decide to go back did you break it off after that or was that her again like saying i need to leave um that's a good question like I don't want to play this game anymore because like it it's was pretty much a game. <laughs> yeah, it was more her, okay. more her than me. Um, at the, when it finally ended up, it was more of a mutual. Mm -hmm. But she was the initiation. Yeah. So it's so interesting to kind of hear the other side of this because mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I just like looking at the brains of boys. Yeah. Because I'm not one. <laughs> so so seeing that other side, and there were definitely times when I admittedly, I was like, you're such a jerk. Like, get over it. Like, this girl doesn't like you. She has a boyfriend. Like, come on. But there was also that immense vulnerability mm -hmm. because you, you were just kind of going to let it happen because you did kind of have to. And at the end of the day, you did kind of accept her decision um, until she was like, turn around. Um, because that is what you ultimately wanted. So seeing that is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, uh, I keep talking about how much I love this podcast because of all these stories yeah. that are so you great. You get to really see the other side of like stories because like I think I've been on the other side of the fence before, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I've definitely been in your place, but I've been more like just like sad. She's like, oh, I got rejected. This oh, is so yeah. Sad. I haven't been like the. Yeah, there's definitely the sad portion, you know during the the time of the whole like grieving air quotes um it was tough but you know sometimes i mean bringing this story back up it's still like a soft spot but you know it's not a soft spot where it's like oh let me go home and cry more about it you know it's not it's kind of like all right it's something that's happened it's over it's done learn from it and friendship <laughs> and friendship and, and friendship and are you guys still friends yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're close. We're cool. Um, that friend zone stayed. <laughs> so it's 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 cool. It's all right. It's acceptable. And we have one. So last where question. are you at? Well, okay. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just I just want to go. Where are you at now? Like, do you have someone else that kind of filled that void, or was it just like you just got over it and just like? Um. <laughs> well, at. Where I am now, I'm engaged. Ah! <laughs> Yay! I, I love, love Karen's reactions to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank oh you. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is amazing. Congratulations. It is new. 
Aww. It is new. Thank Congrats. you. It's uh. How like, long have you been engaged? A month and three days. Aww. Something like that. Well, a month adorable. and a week. Thank you. <laughs> Karen's about to cry now. <laughs> I'm not gonna cry today. I think I see some tears. <laughs> Stop it. That's that little twinkle. Yeah. I cry over everything. I love her. Uh, okay. Um. Uh, what what would you like your readers to take away from the story? Be who you are. You know, regardless if uh individual is going to like you or like somebody else. Um, whatever happens, happens. It's all for the best. It's what's going to be played out. And accept yourself. And Beautiful. Don't take anybody's shit. There you go. Yes! <laughs> Son of bitches. Son of, Son a, of bitch. a bitch. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming. We really enjoyed the story. Thank you for having me. Karen's still crying over your engagement. <laughs> <laughs> so, that concludes our sixth episode of the season. Maybe, maybe not. We are also excited to bring you new stories in the coming months, amplifying these younger voices from backgrounds you don't normally hear in the creative nonfiction genre. You can always find out more at www.lifeoutloudpodcast.com or by searching Life Out Loud Podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. We'd like to thank everyone who helps make this possible, including our sound engineers and editors, our episode writers, our website developers, everyone behind the scenes here at Life Out Loud. And to our audience, we hope you love these stories as much as we did. It was a joy to bring them to you. A very special thank you to everyone listening in. We'll see you soon and good night!